Well, why don't we stand to our feet this morning as we start this morning's service. This morning as we come before the Lord, we can celebrate who He is, what He's done, what He's done in our life, that today we can rejoice. Even if we're in the midst of some kind of turmoil, I think we can all look back and say, the Lord has done good things in my life. So we have a reason to rejoice because we can actually even rejoice what he's going to do. And that's exciting. So Father, I pray that as we come into a time of worship right now, that we won't get stuck on those things, those issues and those problems that sit in front of us. But that we will truly celebrate the one who has always taken care of us, the one who has always loved us, the one that has helped us get through every issue and problem in our life. And so, Lord, today we can come and we can celebrate you because you're a good God. Does everybody agree with that? So let's worship the Lord this morning. As we're worshiping, I'm getting this very vivid picture of a people who have come into the river, come into the water, who are enjoying the, the refreshing of that water. But it, I feel like the Spirit of God is saying, it's one thing to enjoy the water, and it's another thing to swim. It's one thing to be drawn to the refreshing shallows of the river of God, and it's another thing to be swept away into the depth where the river is so deep that you can no longer touch the bottom. It's not at your ankle, it's not at your knee, it's not at your waist, but it's, it's, it's over your head. I am looking, says the Spirit of God, preparing a bride and a people who are willing to be swept into the river where they enter the waters over their head, where they lose that element of control and begin to walk by faith. Lord, make it so. I choose to believe. There are those that have remained in the Lord a long time. You've been with the Lord. You've walked with the Lord. You've remained in Him. You've been content. But you have come not to expect so much. It's okay, Lord. You don't have to do something special for me to, to stay with you, remain, and walk with you. It is those that the Lord wants to do something special because that's who he is. That's who he is. You've been content. You remained. You've walked along and come not to expect so much. <laughs> but the Lord wants to do something for you. He wants to do something for you because that's who he is. It's his goodness shining upon you. That's who he is. He, can, he is constrained. He can't help himself. He wants to do something. He wants to give you something, something special, something that will bless your heart. Because that's who he is. That's who he is. Just let your faith rise up. We're commanded to honor the Lord. But don't forget his benefits. Don't forget his promises. We've been faithful. We've come to the place where we don't live for ourselves as mature believers. But God says, don't forget my benefits. Lord, release your covenant to us, we pray. Healing, wholeness, restoration, hope. Hope. So Tuesday night I was at karate and I hurt my foot pretty bad. So I was awake in the night, laying awake in pain. When I actually managed to get to sleep, I was dreaming about the pain in my foot. I hobbled in here on Wednesday for prayer and just forgot about all of that, just wanted to get into the presence of God and then realized after 8 o'clock we'd been in for an hour or so and I'm starting to go, wait a minute. When I hobbled in on one foot, next thing you know I'm hopping on that foot and going, I'm getting a healing. I'm getting it. And so I just want to testify, God, you are good. You still heal today. You still look after the things that matter to us today. So God, thank you for healing today. Listen, we want to, do, we want to just declare today that God is good. There's something about the goodness of God that we need to enter into. 
right now that God is good and he wants to heal our land, but he wants to heal you. He wants to restore. Some of us are at a place where, uh, where we're stuck and the goodness of God is going to get us from point A to point B. The realization that God and everything about him is perfect and wonderful. Come on. God is good. Lord, we want to declare today with our own lips, with our own tongues, with our own mouths, that you are good. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Lord, we are unafraid to draw near to you because we know there's just blessing. Just blessing and all the trials and all the challenges are to take away those things that are stealing from us. They're not to hold us back. You are a good God. 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 Listen, there's somebody here. If you just keep saying you are a good God, you've been stuck in a mindset. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. And if you just keep saying, no, God, I, I believe you're good. I'm not going to hold back. You're a good God. That something's going to break today. Something's going to shift today in your mind and your heart. Oh, God, we declare that you are good. You are good. You are good. So I just feel moved uh, to take the things that are inside of me and pour out. I feel like the Lord is telling me I, I have something to minister to you today. And so we have something for you to, that we can minister to you today. So if you can come up to the front, if you feel led that you would want to be danced over and that the movement that we would bring could minister to you, I welcome you up and we will just come around you and uh, surround you and move over you. And if that's something that you feel like you want to do, it's actually really vulnerable to put myself out there to say that because I don't actually know if there's value for you guys in that. But in me, I'm just going to step out in faith and say, God, uses movement for me to break through. That's what he's used in my life. And if it could help you break through even just a little bit, I want to be there to help pour that out. So please feel free just to respond. Set aside the things that you care about and just say, I don't care and step forward out of yourself physically. And we would be happy. We would be honored to come around you and just minister to you so that we can see breakthrough. So if you feel you need a touch or you want a healing or something in your life, just stand in, in a way that there's room between different people. And just as we continue to worship, as we continue, we don't want to be an audience here. We want to continue to worship. What Jenna is doing is she's worshiping to the Lord. But there's a presence that's released when we worship with all our heart. And dance is just one expression of worship. So continue to worship God. Continue to lean into his presence. Yeah. So I see this picture of a river and a kid learning to swim and how they swam before in the pool and there's nothing to contend with. But when you're swimming in a river, there's a current that you have to work with or work against. And so your instinct is to fight against that current and where it's going. But if you just relax into it, and, and you go with the current, you can get where you need to go. And God's love and his healing is so much like that. We try to figure it out and, and understand it and comprehend it with our minds and we feel unlovable and we feel like this sickness is never gonna end or this, this mindset is never gonna end. And we just relax into his love we just relax into what he wants to do and go with his current and where he's leading, where he's bringing us. All things, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Just follow his current. Just relax into it. Just be calm and let him do what he wants to do in your life. You know, when you take your, your cat or your dog to the vet to get repaired, often the, your cat or your dog doesn't know that the vet is not there to damage it. 
And so the dog or the cat fights against the efforts of the one who would bring healing. And that's a little bit like us, that when we are not convinced that God's measures are there to bless us, we fight against the current of them. When we're, when we're not sure if God is coming to hurt us or to bless us, then we resist. And he's saying, he's saying, listen, I'm a good God. I am a good God. And the accusation that hangs over all creation is the same one that began in the garden when the serpent came insinuating that God did not have a good intent behind his instruction. But we're, we're here to say, no, every precept, every truth, everything that God says is for our good. Everything that he seems to be restrictive, everything that we seem to not agree with, it's all for our good. He's the good one. And we need to align with him. And we say today, we are choosing today. We are choosing now to say, Lord, we believe that you are good. And whatever process we're in in our Christian life, Whatever, whatever circumstances we're in, you can work this out for good because you are a good God. And so right now, we accept this admonition to rest in this river and to be taken with the current. Lord, we relinquish that fearful control. We relinquish that rabid self-determination that says, I know better, that I know how to keep me safe. God, you are safe. Oh. Lord, we don't want to be like that dog that doesn't understand, that fights against everything that would bring healing. We don't want to be limited to that. So today we say we believe. If you haven't already said it, Say, I believe, I choose to believe that, God, you're good, that you have my best interests, that when, Jesus, you died and you called me to bear my cross and follow you, that you did so with a conviction that you were going to bring me into the liberty that you promised, and I, I say, I'm going. I embrace. I embrace. I embrace your truth. See, we believe that if we breathe in the water, we're going to drown and it's, we're going to die. But this is water of life. You're supposed to breathe it in. You've got to overcome that thing in you that says, I can't breathe it in or I'm going to die. If you breathe it in, you're going to live so God, right now I say I breathe it in. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not even going to try to stay above it. I'm just going to be immersed in the tidal wave. I'm just going to let it carry me. I'm going to breathe it in because your water is life, not death. I breathe in life. I breathe in life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Father, we pray. Can you release your faith towards these ones, particularly that are standing here, and everyone else who has a need? We're thinking of Gail, who's not here today because she underwent cancer treatment yesterday. We say healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless the Lord and forget not his benefits. Bless, we bless the Lord. We say we forget not, Lord, your benefits. In Jesus' name, bring healing and wholeness, restoration to everything. God, you are the source of all good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no shadow of turning. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? All right. Glory to God. So significant, um, what you do with your finances. There are a handful of things that are, truest, are the truest reflections of what's happening in your heart. What happens with your finances is one of those. Remember, Jesus uh, set that paradigm when he said, he said, where your treasure is, there is your heart, right? So, um, you know, such a key, uh, what Yoshi said there, was such a key principle when you realize stewardship. And, and this is the, the, the sense of ownership. If you are giving God 10% of your money, 
you feel now God owes you, right? Look what I've done for you, God. Uh, you know, and he's actually saying, actually, it's all mine. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And uh, I'm willing to share it with you, but you need to realize where these things come from to begin with. So there's, there's certain sort of attitudes that manifest around finances that really are reflections of the truest condition of our heart. And so it's really, to me, as a pastor, it's an exciting thing as I see not only the liberty that people are coming in, but the significance of that liberty as pertaining to, well, that means something is happening in their hearts. And that's what we want because, you know, so often we can tweak the outward things, but nothing really changes. And if you've been around the church for a while and, you know, served God for a while, you realize that that is often the case. You know, we, we uh, uh, change some surface things, but our hearts don't really change. So thank you, God, for the processes he's brought us into that are bringing these fundamental changes to our lives. Amen? Because, you know, it's like the, the last thing is that there, God has lots. God has lots. And, in fact, that, that sort of ties into what I want to share about today. I want to continue from the last two weeks. And I'm actually kind of excited about, you know, going get, get, doing some meaty teaching. Uh, I love establishing certain truths. And uh, so the last couple of weeks have been a real joy for me. Uh, and we're going to continue with some of that. But So let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the word that sets us free. Thank you, God, that you are, uh, you've released what, everything that's necessary for life and godliness. You've already released to us. And we just want to get the benefit of it, Father. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name. So uh, a couple of ideas just to begin with before I get into the meat of this, and I'm going to try and remember, because during prayer this morning, I was sort of thinking of how I wanted to introduce some of these things. But the first one is, is this. Uh, when it comes to financial release, uh, you know, it's not just stewardship. This teaching here is not just about stewardship and dealing with your money faithfully. The dealing with your money faithfully is a precursor to actually uh, tapping in to God's unlimited resources. You know, and it's, 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 it's like if you're not using what you have uh, faithfully right now, I'm not going to give you more. I'm not going to give you that expensive guitar when you're not even practicing. On, don't tell me you love gu playing guitar when you don't play guitar. You know, if you love playing guitar, I'm going to see you doing it. When I see you doing it, I'm going to be moved to support you in what you are doing. And so uh, God is actually looking for this kind, of, this kind of movement in our heart, but he is creating faith. Faith. See, it begins, the faith begins, I have enough faith that I'm going to start to align with you that I believe your principles are true. I have enough faith that I'm going to start to tithe, I'm going to start to give, I'm going to start to deal with these things in a biblical manner. Once that faith, you know, if, if that faith is actually there, then that faith becomes the bridge that enables you to tap in to supernatural supply. You see, th this is the issue. We live in a world, and you can think of this scientifically in terms of, you know, the, the electromagnetic spectrum or energy or anything, that, that there is a finite amount of energy within creation. And, and scientists are dealing with that because they only deal with the observable. But... This finite amount of creation actually came from a place of infinite resource. And what the kingdom of God is, is a people who believe that, and not only that, their faith allows portals to open uh, from the infinite realm into the finite realm. Faith, that's what faith does. Faith causes something from God's infinite world to invade our world. Faith is the portal, it's, it's the tube, it's the, the gateway through which these things come. And so, uh, you know, that's why we have these scriptures. It's God, it, don't forget, it's God who gives you power to create wealth. Wealth is created. Why? Because wealth is not just the manipulation of what is finite, but it is a breathing in from the infinite into the finite. And so God is working in us to build faith so that we can be tapping into the origins of this thing, which is the spirit life. 
So when Jesus talks about all of his, the way that he moved and faith and all the rest of that, he's really, he's, he's saying, listen, you guys are meant to be the connection between that which is passing away and that which is renewed every day. And those principles are spread throughout the scripture. And so faith gives you the ability to do that. And if, uh, and the evidences of that faith are, you know, in our behaviors. Now, um, that, that paradigm, hold on to that paradigm. Let's leave the financial world for a second. Uh, let's, let's go into another, uh, another idea. This morning I read an article from, by Conrad Black. Conrad Black, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a Christian of sorts. I don't know what his exact faith is, but he's a believer in God. And so he was writing in the National Post. Uh, I don't know when the article came up, but I just read it this morning. And he, was, he had taken on some of, the, uh, some of the atheists that are going around. And he was making certain uh, arguments, intellectual arguments, how be it, for faith, for the idea of a, of, a, of a creator God, an infinite being, and so on and so forth. And, of course, he got this major kickback from, from, from all the atheists and, you know, them. And he talked about that a little bit. But... One of the things that he pointed to, and something we've referred to again and again here, is this, that we are at a place in our culture where, where people have started to take over our educational, our governmental systems who are completely void of faith. And what, what his assertion was this, because uh, what's happening today is reason is being put up against faith as being, you know, antithetical, that they are, they are not congruent at all. They don't equal, that you either have the one or you have the other, that you cannot have both. And so one of the points he was making in this, he said, what atheists don't seem to understand is that everything that has come into this civilization has actually come through faith. And he pointed to the fact that the age of enlightenment which was in the 1600s, was preceded by, he didn't use the word revival, but it was spiritual revival. Spiritual revival gave, always gives life to everything. Spiritual revival gives life to knowledge, gives life to creativity, brings liberty to people, and causes them to flourish in the world. Now, here's the, here's the thing is, spiritual revival is one of those portals. Faith opens up something from the infinite to move into the finite. Once it hits the finite, if you can't see the infinite, then you, you mistake the starting point. Okay? If you can't see the infinite, you don't see the crossover, the effect of the invisible on the visible. And so the, the unbeliever doesn't have uh, an ability, and that's why the Age of Enlightenment began to separate itself from spiritual renewal because those, those guys who took over, you know, the mind guys, the intellectual guys, kind of like, okay, church people, we got it from here. And not realizing what breathed this capacity for man to think more clearly came from God. And so, uh, so faith then is the fundamental thing. And I said all this to say this, God is working on your faith. God is working on your ability to see the invisible, to interact with the invisible, to relate to the invisible. And the paradigm that Jesus was always setting up with his disciples was around this particular model. So, uh, you know, and again, I, I, I don't really tire of, maybe you tire of me referencing this one passage, but what Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood to the disciples, they're like, they were analyzing this on the basis of its, uh, you know, of its, uh, um, their ability to absorb it, and this is a hard saying. And what, his justification for the hard saying was this, uh, the words I speak to you are spirit and life. And what he's saying is, listen, never mind whether it's hard or, or easy, the point is, it's spirit. It's from this place. It's from the invisible. It's from the supernatural. He said, this kingdom and everything about this kingdom is taking from there and bringing it into here. Get this into your heads, guys. This is what it's about. Get away from the grid of your minds trying to work through Judaism to see what, what works and what doesn't work, what can be accepted. Your minds can't do this. I've given you a spirit and faith to access that realm. Your mind is a beneficiary, which the, going back to the article, Conrad Black saying, listen, these guys have all been the beneficiaries of, of this thing, and they don't, they, don't, they don't appreciate it. They don't know what they got. So, faith then. God is working on our faith, 
And we've been talking the last few weeks about faith. We talked about it from the perspective of life and death. And, and we said a lot of things. But I want to focus in on the creation of faith again. Because that's what we did last week. The creation of faith. Now we know, right, that if you eat good food, you feel better, right? Right? If, you, if, you, if you're hungry or if you're tired and then you eat some food, then the, you get energy from that food. But between eating and energy, there is what? There's a process. And the process is how your being assimilates and converts uh, food into energy. Likewise, there is a process whereby God creates faith in you. Faith is 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 like is divine energy. It's divine energy to that causes certain things. But you get faith from food. You know, in the same way you get energy from food, you get faith energy from food. But the food is not, you know, uh, sandwiches and hamburgers. It's the word of God. And so this is the verse we want to think about for a second. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. All right, that's a great passage. We should know that, we should believe that, we should understand it. But here's the question. If we're going to not frustrate the process of faith creation in us, we need to know what that process is, right? If you didn't realize that the food, energy in your livelihood came from food and you, you just threw up the food all the time, you would, you would die because you're not, you're not cooperating with the process, right? Anorexia is a, a version of that. You're not cooperating with this process, and so you're, you're, you're dying, so in the church today, there's a process that God is trying to get us to understand about how faith is created through the word. And it's not just blindly, oh, I heard the word, therefore faith is coming. No, no, no. There is a process. So what happens between the em embracing of the food and the production of energy? Well, that's what we began to look at last week. Turn to Hebrews 4, 12. Now, you remember the context of Hebrews 4.12. Now, this gets a little complicated, so I'm not sure how much I want to get into it. But why this is important in this context is he's saying to them, listen, your destiny, what God has promised you, is only available if you continue in faith. Faith is the means for accessing destiny. Faith, and so he points to Israel and he says, listen, the reason they didn't get their destiny, they got freed from Egypt, but they never entered the promised land. The reason they couldn't is because unbelief. They didn't mix the promise with faith. So they didn't come into faith, and therefore they could not get their promise. And what he's saying essentially here is some of you Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, some of you are not coming to faith. You're not getting your destiny, and it's because you're repeating what happened before. And when I look at the body of Christ today, I see the same tragic thing happen, that we have a promise, we have an inheritance, we have a destiny, and many people are not touching it, and it comes down to issues of faith. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about the obedience of faith and, and all the rest of the thing that follows actual faith, but let's get, let's get to the, 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 the nitty-gritty of what faith does. So here in this passage, this is one of the most amazing revelatory. This is like God's how to, how to do it video. Or how they make it. You ever watch those shows? How they make it? Isn't that cool, right? I didn't know they, like, I know what a toothbrush is, but how they make it, that's so cool, how they made it. So I've always been one, well, God bring the word, I, the word brings faith, but how does it do it? How does it happen? What are the internal workings? And this verse here, Hebrews 4.12, is God's how do I make faith video. So what does it say? He says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So right there, these elements right there are God's how-to. How does God create faith? The Word comes in, but what does the Word do when it comes? Well, the Word of God comforts me. The Word of God tells me God loves me, and I get this fuzzy feeling, and it makes me want more of God. That's great, but it's actually more complicated than that. And that's, that's actually the initial baby pablum form of, you know, uh, eating food. So it's a sword. 
And it says it pierces. All right? It pierces to the division of soul and spirit. So last week we spent a lot of talking about, time talking about the piercing. And we talked about the separating between soul and spirit. So the word of God first pierces and then it separates. It makes a distinction between soul and spirit. And that's what we talked about last week. Anybody remember that? It's important. Go back to it. Listen to it. Because if you are a soulish believer, you can't walk in the spirit. And, and if, if you are a soulish believer, it means that the word is not separating between soul and spirit in you. That's what the word is supposed to do. Make a distinction so you can see what comes from your soul, your agenda, your feelings, your thinking, your willpower, and what comes from him. Oh? You need to, you, we need to do that. So the, the word pierces, the word separates, distinguishes between soul and spirit. But the last part, and perhaps the most important part, is this. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. A discerner. In other words, it exposes. The, the word of God has come to expose you. So how many of you pray this way? God, expose me. God, I want to see the nakedness of my being. I want to see, you know, probably not. But this is, what, this is what the word is meant to do, is expose. Now, interestingly enough, that what, look at the next verse. I love the next verse because it tells us a little bit of the the byproduct is, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So here, let me give you a, a paint a whole other picture. God in heaven sees all. Everything's naked. Everything's open. There's no, there's no shadows. There's no, you know, he sees the motives of every heart. He sees behind, you know, the pretense. He sees behind the manipulation. He pre sees behind even your sincerest effort to do the right thing for the wrong reason. He sees all of that. It's plain before him. And what he's saying is like, listen, you guys are down here. And many of you are stuck in this. And you don't see clearly like what I do. So what I'm doing through your whole journey of your life is I want to seat you with me in heavenly places. So that what I see, you see. Faith enables you to enter into what it means to be a son of God. A child of, of, of the most high. Where we are actually like him. Where we function like him. So as faith increases in your life, clarity increases. Now, I think I've shared this testimony with you before, but I'll spend a couple of minutes here. And I don't see a clock, so I don't know if I'm going over. But does it matter? Lots of time. Okay, good. What? 11.30? Oh, I got tons of time. And another 45 to 55 minutes. This is great. Okay. So... I, as, a, as, a, as a first year Bible college student at Christ of the Nations in Dallas, Texas, I was rapidly pursuing God. I was doing all the stuff I knew to do, but I uh, had no clue, absolutely no clue, uh, worse than no clue. I mean, I was such a hypocrite, and I didn't even know it, you know, but just, it was, I was so pretentious, it was, it's embarrassing almost to think about it. Uh, except that in fact that, you know, that's where we all come from. So, you know, uh, but he made me naked in a moment. In a moment, he stripped away everything I thought about what I was doing. He revealed to me the thoughts and the intents of my, of my heart. And it happened while I was doing my regular devotions. I always read the word. I always read 1 Corinthians 13. But I was, usually we read it, you know, with a measure. There's a, there's a, a, a Logos anointing on the word. You know, and, and there's a rhema anointing when that thing comes alive and the real power of that word starts to penetrate and pierce your life. So anyway, I was in my room and I started reading 1 Corinthians 13. It was a love chapter. Well, I had suddenly in, the, in about a 20-second period the most damaging and the most wonderful visitation of the piercing of God in my life where the glory of God came into the room and I began to see all of my behaviors that I was stacking up like cordwood as a, you know, in my heart as a, look, God, how great I am. Uh, look how happy you should be to have me. Look at all the things I'm doing, how much I'm doing it better than everybody else, and da-da-da-da. And, and I, here's the thing. I didn't have one clue that those motives were in my heart. I didn't, I didn't even know it. I didn't know it at all. But when the, when the piercing came, God separated between soul and spirit, and he revealed the true intent of my heart. 
I was naked like never before. Now, none of us are going to escape that, that kind of nakedness. None of us. But it may not happen until we stand before him. But pray that it happens before then. Pray that your faith is great enough to endure that kind of stripping now because you will be changed. You will be changed in the most significant ways. And I can't even explain all of the things, but there was, there was a... Uh, I'll, I'll illustrate it for you. I used to dress like a farmer. No disrespect to the farmers, but my wife did not like the way I was dressing. Uh, where is she? Uh, she's not here. Okay. Anyway, she started, uh, I had all of these beautiful flannel checkered shirts that my mom had given me over years of Christmas that I was uh, loath to get rid of. And uh, even though I wasn't wearing them anymore, and it was just, you know, my mom gave me these. And I would go on these choir trips with the, the choir from uh, Vanguard. And uh, when I would go away, I'd come back and she had moved some of my shirts out of my closet. And gradually, anyway, she got rid of them. And, uh, and I found them at her, at her mom's church rummage sale. I said, hey, I have a shirt like this. I have a shirt like this, too. And lo and behold, they were my shirts. But anyway, uh, what had happened is I started working in a men's clothing store. And when I started working in a men's clothing store, I suddenly started to be aware of trends, of fashions, of differences. Before that moment, like, you know, one pair of pants was the same as another pair of pants, like two leg spots, and that's great. And... Uh, but as I began to be get exposed to more and more different fabrics, more and more different styles, I began to realize, oh, there's a difference. And I started to like clothes. And I, to this day, I like clothes. Uh, some of you know that. And, uh, and, and, and but I, I just, it was amazing transformation. I thought, I thought I could not, I could not tell one suit from another suit. I didn't even know a suit that was 20 years old from a current suit. I didn't see different sizes of lapels, uh, lengths of jackets, three buttons, four buttons, two buttons. You know, who even thought of that? I didn't even notice those things. But suddenly, I started noticing, and I started, wow, well, this fabric is really good. And then the new suits would come in, and I'd had to feel them. And I worked at Kingsway Mall here in Edmonton. And after a while, man, I, I'd be walking down the mall, and I'd say, well, look at that suit. See, like, that guy wearing that suit? That's like a $1,000 suit. That's an amazing suit. And I, I got a sense of, of the, the, the difference, the range of qualities of suits. Before, it was a suit. That's a suit. That's pants, that's a suit, that's a dress, that's all That's all I had. Now, this range of the sense of the quality of different clothings started to become a part of my being. This is what God does. He says, listen, there is a range to the quality of things that are done in my name. There's a range to the quality, and you don't know what that range of quality is unless I expose it to you. But my exposing it to you is an embarrassing experience for you because I have to strip you naked. I have to actually show the limits of what you actually know. Now, for some, that's humiliating. If you think you know, if you think, well, I've been a Christian for 25 years, who do you think you are telling me? And so God has a problem trying to bring us into these things. That's why we inadvertently feel that. Now, think about it for a second. In order to come to mature faith, I have to be made naked. I have to come face to face with what I do not know. Now, on some level, that is not empowering. On some level, that is not endorsing. On some level, that's not saying, you're great. And so we don't like that. We don't like that. But as I've said again and again and again, if you want to compete in anything, whether it's in art, painting, in sports, in technology, that, that there is a, we start as ignorance. You know, we think we know a little bit, and then we get into the world where all of a sudden you realize there's a range of knowledge and expertise here that just blows me away. Uh, isn't that true in the technology world? There is a range of expertise. There is a range of knowledge. There is, there is a, a disparity between the very top echelons, the lowest echelons, in a way that you have no idea. How much more so in who God is versus who we are? And the question is, are you secure enough 
in, in your identity in him to be introduced to that range? Or do you want to live in a fantasy world where you believe yourself to be better than you are in those NHL guys really missed out not drafting me? That's not for anybody in particular, Gordon. The range. God, God, wants, God wants us to want to be exposed to him. But when we first become a Christian, our idea of what it means to be exposed to him is all God saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You're great, you're great, you're great. I love you, I love you. You're great, you're great, you're great. And it's true. He does love us. And he does want to give everything for us. But the process now that's involved in us transforming us is very different than the process beginning to introduce us to a confidence in his love. Once he, we have a measure of confidence in his love, now he can start to do what he wants to do, which transformation. And so he, faith, the increase of faith, prepares you for more stripping, for more nakedness. Now, where do you get that, Mark? Well, in the Bible, life experience, etc., etc. But let's skip over because in the next chapter, he, he, the writer of Hebrews gives this amazing teaching on, how, on, on maturity and what, what constitutes spiritual maturity. And from a spiritual standpoint, it's, it's really actually quite stunning. So we'll go to chapter 5, verse 12. Now, he's actually now dealing again with the fact that they should be more mature than they are, but they've refused the piercing, the separating, and the exposing. So he's saying to them, listen, you got the very things that would bring you to maturity in the word and would change you are not happening. And so he's, he's exhorting them in a kind of a rebuking way. And this is what he says. Three verses. Unbelievable, powerful verses. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone again to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Well, that's self-explanatory to some degree. But look at the next verses. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Think about that for a second. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let me break this down for us. When the word of God comes in, it does what? It pierces, it separates, and exposes. Interestingly enough, in these words here, it says, it says everyone who, uh, for everyone who are partakers only of milk, is, is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is, in, he is a babe. That word unskilled in the Greek is the word apiros. I'm not a Greek scholar, I'm not pretending to be, but that, there's two words, apiros and pyra. Apiros comes from pyra. Pyra uh, means to test with the idea of piercing. To test with piercing. And the literal, uh, the, in, the, the unskilled... Is that me? Apiros from Pira is the word unskilled, and it means inexperienced. So this is, let me rephrase this verse. For everyone who predicts only milk is inexperienced in the piercing of the word of righteousness. That's what that is literally saying. The, the, ch the children, spiritual children, are inexperienced. That means they've had this happen fewer times. What happened? I've been memorizing scripture since I was five years old. Yeah, but has it pierced? Has it separated? Has it exposed? Or did it do what, did it just add to your, you know, database of knowledge to tell everybody that you were a great Christian because you, you memorized this verse and this verse. There's a living word and there's a dead word. The, 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 the letter of the, of the law, the letter of the word kills. There's a knowledge that puffs up and there's a knowledge that increases. There's a wor a, an ingestion of the word that causes you to feel superior, and there's one that strips you naked. And maturity is found through the piercing. The piercing. But you know what? I found that people don't like the piercing. They don't like the piercing. 
It's unpleasant. It makes me feel bad. What the, what the piercing then is doing is exposing the source of your righteousness. If you feel bad when, you are, when the piercing comes and says there's this ugliness in your life, then you are, you are deriving a measure of your, your image of yourself from your works. Otherwise, it would have no effect. Do you understand that? If my righteousness was really Jesus and God came to me, you know, my, when I say my righteousness, my right to approach God, my right to feel like I deserve God's blessing, that's what, that's what confidence in his righteousness is. If my right is derived from Jesus' righteousness, when he comes to me and says, you're not very righteous, you're, you're angry, you're short-tempered, you're, you're jealous, I shouldn't suddenly feel disqualified. If I feel disqualified, that means he is not my righteousness. That's being made naked. That's exposing. See, what happened to me that day, and it was the most terrible experience when God came in that room, and I literally ran from the room. And for, for months, I mean, it, 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 was, it, was, it was a very, very hard thing. But men one day are going to call for the rocks to fall on them to hide from that exposing. We hopefully not. But what that did at that moment, I... Over the next few months, I saw such a profound shift in my life. I saw a, a, something set in place in my life that separated soul from spirit. I saw the value of it so much. It, 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 it transformed me so deeply, I began to love the piercing. I, be, I realized then, I need more of this. This is what makes you actually transforms you. This is what changes you. And this is what Paul was saying. I, I long to, not, to be found not having a righteousness of my own. Paul said, what, why? What, how, where do you get that kind of hunger? Once you've tasted of what the word really does, and it's not shaming you. It's not putting you down. It's not disqualifying you. It's removing those things that disqualify you. It's removing those things that cause shame. It is separating you from yourself. Let me read the next verse here because there's another key verse here below. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled, inexperienced in the piercing of the word of righteousness. He is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, just for semantics sake, we're not talking about the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. We're talking about ultimate good and evil. Remember how I redefined that a few weeks ago? I said, ultimate good is life and ultimate evil is death. And on the side of death in the kingdom of darkness, there is a knowledge of good and evil. But they're they're both death because they're not based on the standard of who he is. Anyway, so, so listen to what he's saying. The word that's so key here is the word exercised. And it's the word, uh, there's two words, um, gumnazo and I can't remember the other one. But basically, gumnazo means this. It means training, but more particularly, it means naked training. Naked training. Now, probably the... It, it was derived probably from something to do with the Olympic sports and how the Greeks, because it's a Greek word, how they how they did training. They, you know, they they were they were naked when they uh, when they trained and when they exercised and when they competed. And so the the Hebrew writers borrowing a, borrowing a word, understanding what the word of God does when it penetrates your life. It's come to make you naked, to expose you, to cause you to see you as God sees you. Both you know, for in terms of what he wants to make of you and what you presently are. Makes you naked. And the more often that happens, you become able to know good from evil or life from death. Wow. I just feel like there's a tremor in the force. I feel like I hit a, a central stronghold like God is, listen, God wants to deliver us from our own notions of good and evil. God wants to deliver us from, well, you know, if I just do this thing. It's not just doing that. What matters is the intent of the heart, the motive and the intent of a heart. And that's what God had showed me. I was, 
Oh, I, I was dancing. I was worshiping God with all my strength. And when he came, he saw, I saw myself worshiping. But my whole mindset was, hey, you guys, look how much I love God. If you love God too, you would be dancing. You hard-hearted Pharisees. Why don't you get up here and do this thing and, you know, and look at me. Every time the music starts, I'm dancing. Where's your faith? I mean, that's my whole preoccupation. It wasn't that at the beginning, but it quickly became that. And God came and said, listen, you call this worship? You know who you're worshiping, right? It's embarrassing. I'm worshiping me. Have you ever been in a worship service and you're saying, how great thou art? And you realize for the last five minutes you're thinking about, I actually have quite a nice vibrato. Look at, you know, and you know, the people around here, I hope they're appreciating the melodies that I'm bringing to them. And, uh, you know, uh, is that worship? We're singing the songs, but what is the motive? What is the intent? What are, what's really going on? See, God isn't just concerned with changing your behaviors. He wants to change your heart. What is the encryption behind the behaviors? And that's what the Word of God does. It goes that deep. It exposes the intent of the heart. And I tell you, anybody with any kind of spiritual maturity has had that piercing again and again and again and again and again and again. And you start to love it because you know advancement does not come without the penetration of the word. It doesn't come without the separation between soul and spirit. It doesn't come without exposing. And the question is, what level of, what kind of appetite do you have for exposing? How much are you right now in your faith really know that God loves you is how much he can actually bring, make you naked? You hear that again? How much you really, really know that God loves you is how much he can make you naked. Knowing God loves you is the means for you to become a candidate that he could make you naked. Let's read those verses again. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is inexperienced in the piercing of the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are mature, full age. That is, those who through use have exercised, trained uh, by stripping their senses to know the true difference between life and death, good and evil. God is making us into new beings. When we were born again, a seed germinated, and that seed had a nature, the nature of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the life he lived, was the manifestation outwardly of that nature. And what God is trying to do is to give you that nature, give you, transform your being into that. Why? Why? When somebody, some persons get up to pray, it brings life to the room and it creates enthusiasm and faith. Uh, Derek was just telling me about a worship leader that he saw recently. He said there was two worship leaders, a, an associate and a main worship leader. Whenever the one sang, the room just... And the, whenever the other one sang, it... It's like, wow, that was crazy. Why is that happening? They're doing the same thing. They're singing the same songs. The one, the one may even be infinitely better musically than the other, but death was coming because they're operating from their soul. The, the motive of what they're doing is, look at me, worship God, enjoy how skilled I am. Have you ever heard a voice like this? That may, those literally aren't the words that are being spoken, but it's what the heart is saying. See, when you, after God has penetrated a few times, and I, I remember when this started to play out in my life, 
and I got, I'm getting increasingly better at it. But, for example, in ministry, one of the big things is self-promotion. And self-promotion is, God hates it. But he started to show me how many times that's how I was trying to build my ministry. You know, through, and so every time I started to say something, I could feel the death in it. Like, I just, you know, so I'm not going to say anything anymore about my ministry or what I'm doing, unless people ask. Then even when people asked, I still couldn't. And so God was saying, listen, shut up. If I want people to know who you are, I'll show them. Takes faith, though. So he said, listen, before you would go on and on like this and you didn't even know you were sounding obnoxious in my ears. Now you know. Ignorance is bliss. Knowledge is embarrassing. But hey, we're loved anyway. He's giving us his kingdom. And this is how we become suitable to reign with him. Prepared to administrate the levers of power in his kingdom by being made like him. So I want us to do something today. And I'm not going to ask anybody to come up or do anything like that. But I, I want you to make a decision in your heart today. It says, I want to love the piercing. I want to love the separating between soul and spirit. I want to love the exposing. And you may be thinking of moments where that came to your life, invited or not, and you didn't like it. You didn't enjoy it. It was humiliating. It was humbling. It was, you, got, you went into a rage. And that probably happens quite a bit in our lives where we're trying to depict ourselves as being something, and somebody comes along and punches that balloon, and we hate them because they don't really know who we are, actually. So, Father, right now, we ask you to forgive us, Lord. We want to we separate ourselves from that person who's embarrassed by exposure. We want to say, Lord, walking in the light means exposure. Walking in the light is not walking in the darkness. We want more clarity. We want more exposure. We want things to be seen for what they are. When we stand before you, everything, you said, everything will be seen for what it is. We don't want to wait till then. We want to know now. God, would you, would you give us, forgive us for hating that. But Lord, we want to love that. We want to invite that. We want to uh, continue to be comfortable with realizing what we are not. We want to be comfortable in our skin. <sighs> so, Lord, we repent and we ask for more light. And whatever you're doing in the midst of that, Lord, continue to do it. We want a transformation. We want to be secure in who we are. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Let me tell you one story. I was so insecure in high school. I used to fight a lot, and I, I was pretty good at it, but the notion of losing a fight was, was just terrifying to me. So part of what drove me to vanquish so much is that insecurity. And I remember I was at a party with a friend of mine, and we were walking along, and something happened, and he elbowed this guy because he was feeling tough, had a couple of drinks, and the, he didn't know who the guy was. Well, the guy turned around and pulverized him. And I was trying to make him feel good. I said, oh, you must have slipped. <laughs> and he got up and he said, he said, no. He said, that guy killed me. And I remember thinking, my whole life, all I do is, is escape from trying to look bad or feel bad. This guy completely, where, where do you get that kind of security? I'm not, I'm not talking about a Christian. How come I don't have that kind of security? What is that? Remember, striking is strange that you can come face to face with an assessment that makes you look bad and you're comfortable with that. In fact, you championed the release of that report. Wow. And as I see what God is doing in my life, he's establishing that kind of security. See, humility is born of security where you're comfortable with the truth. 
You don't have to create illusions. I'm the very best of this and that. No illusions. Just truth. There's powerful freedom in that. The sons of God, the daughters of the Most High, will be, will be defined as people like that. Isn't that a great promise? I say, God, do it. Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you for your word. It transforms us, exposes our insecurities, our fears, our misplaced allegiances. I continue to do that. We embrace you. Thank you. We're going to hold on to this word today. We're going to hold on to this truth. And as it as we see it at work this week, we're going to embrace the process. In Jesus' name, amen.